that was very helpful. And in fact, I feel like I'm definitely in a better place now after having this conversation with you because you're right. That's what I think makes your work different and better than others. I definitely don't think I'd be engaged to him or in the relationship I'm in if I hadn't listened to you at all. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. My guest today is 32-year-old Ruby, who is in an on-again, off-again relationship with 32-year-old Paul. Ruby feels Paul is the one, but is now on the fourth breakup with him in only two years. Ruby wonders if she should give things another shot and what needs to be different this time around if she does. She says Paul doesn't make her a priority. He's heavily influenced by his family and friends and not mature enough for a long-term commitment like marriage. Ruby has additional questions related to her over-explaining and being seen by Paul as, quote, needy. Ruby wants to know if I feel this relationship has marriage potential or if it is just a waste of time. Welcome, Ruby. Hi, Coach Paula. I'm glad you called in for this because it seems like it's gone off the rails a bit. Quite a bit. I would agree. Fourth breakup in only two years. How did you meet? We met on Hinge. And tell me a bit about the trajectory of the relationship, like when it became sexual, and take us through to the first breakup. Sure. So we met in March of 21, 2021. So at the height of COVID, he had said hello. We messaged a little bit on the app and asked me if I would be down to get drinks. And I said that I have a super busy week at work and I am only free on weekends. At the time, I was working a very demanding job, probably 60 to 70 hour weeks. And I was in my busiest season at work, so I couldn't meet up during the week with people. But we made plans for, I believe it was like a Friday or a Saturday. And at the time, I was working in the city, but I live in the suburbs. So I, I told him that because in the past, I would have dates canceled when, when men would hear that I'm in the suburbs. And he said that distance isn't an issue for him. He asked me what restaurant recommendations I have around the area, and I I sent him something, and uh, we we had our first date at a at a sushi restaurant. So after that, the date went great. Uh, you know, lasted a, a couple hours. We shared a very timid kiss at the at the end, but we were both just kind of very infatuated with each other. We went home, and I was like very excited about him. I called my mom right away, and I said, I think this this guy is great. She made me FaceTime her and said that she has never seen me this excited about a guy and this happy after a date. He 
asked me out again, you know, said, hey, I would love to see you again. I said, the feelings are very mutual. And I asked him to actually like come over during the week. And he was a little bit surprised. He was like, I thought you're very busy. And I said, well, I am busy, but I'm willing to make time to like see you again. So, you know, we went on on our second date. And on our second date, we actually talked about kind of what we want long term from a relationship. So he was pretty clear that he's he's looking for the one. He wants marriage, he wants kids. I said I want the same thing. And then I shared that I want to move slow in the relationship in the sense of like the, the physical chemistry because I have been hurt in the past and we're both pretty religious. So we, we at the time we were talking about how we might want to actually wait until marriage, which he said he doesn't have a problem with that. Then a couple weeks into us dating and just spending time with each other, I lost patience and I was the one who actually initiated sexual contact. That was good. And then a week later, he went to a bachelor party. But in that week, and kind of like the two or three weeks prior, I was starting to just have a few doubts. I was also the one who asked for the relationship to be exclusive, by the way. I had texted him and I said, hey, now that we've seen each other a couple times, I don't know how you feel about this, but I would love, you know, if, if we could be exclusive. And he said he is happy to. He's very relieved that I was the one who brought it up because he had some anxiety about it. And I had noticed that he had also deleted his his app. So after that, we, you know, we became exclusive. We had sex about, I want to say, six or seven weeks into the relationship. And then in the meantime, I had someone else that I was talking to that agreed to see me. We had supposed to meet in the day that I actually messaged Paul, where like we messaged each other on the app. He canceled that date saying that he needs to study for a medical exam that's very important. And he's like, if you're still single in a month, I'll reach out to you. Well, by the time that this other guy reached out to me, I had gone exclusive with Paul. I had told the other gentleman that, hey, I am now exclusive with someone. And he said, that seems very fast for you to move into exclusivity with the relationship. He's like, I can tell you don't have a lot of experience dating because normally people take two or three months to to get exclusive with someone. And in the meantime, I was growing a little bit frustrated with Paul over just like not really initiating dates. He would be comfortable just coming over and sitting on my couch and we would cuddle and spend time together, but he wasn't actually like planning actual dates for us. Um, I was frustrated that he wasn't opening restaurant doors. Um, Just like, I just felt like he's not quite the gentleman that I would expect him to be. And then when this other gentleman pursued me and was like really insisting that like, hey, let's give this a shot. I really liked you, but I I want to see you in person. I went on that date. And then I felt very guilty about it. And I told Paul that I think that I like him more than he likes me and I've been having some doubts. So I would like if we would open up to like potentially seeing other people. So he called. He was very distraught and he could tell that something more was going on and he asked me where it's coming from. And I said that, you know, I I went out and there was someone at the bar that I, I ran into 
and I felt like that person made me feel just very special and, you know, very just like wanted and he doesn't make me feel those things. So that's why I we, be, we go back to just keeping it casual. And at what point now, is it one month in? Is it two months in? How far along are you at this point? We are about two months in. And you have had a sexual relationship started, you said initiated by you, and you asked for exclusivity. Yes. All right. So what happened next? So he's very upset. He started, he was, I always remember if he started crying or not, but he said that he's very blindsided and that he loves me. That was actually the first time that he told me he loves me. He told me over the phone. And then he ended up booking a trip, the trip back early. I didn't really want to go into detail like in person. So he came home. I picked him up from the airport. We talked. And I basically just told him the truth. I said, here's the reason. I actually did go on, on a date with someone else. You know, it didn't mean anything. It was just something that I wanted to explore because I've been having kind of like mixed feelings about you. And he felt very betrayed, but he was like, it's not a big deal. We can get over it. And he was like, I'm sorry that I didn't make you feel like special. I'm sorry that I didn't plan the dates and just kind of like give you what you were looking for. But and then we went to we went to sleep. But later that night, he just broke down and said he can't take it. So he ended up calling an Uber and going home early. Did you have sex that night? We started to, but he could not. He just halfway through, he was just like, I can't do this. And did he tell you exactly what he was feeling at that moment? I mean, it was, it's been a while. I, I think he just felt like really betrayed and like very hurt, understandably so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he went home in an Uber. Did you have any argument or any difficult time that when he was saying he would leave and take an Uber? I apologized to him and I said, hey, like, I'm really sorry. Obviously, I wish that, you know, I wouldn't have done that. There's nothing I could do now to, like, take that back. And I, you know, I just wish that I would have handled things differently. But I understand how you feel and I respect your decision. And I just have to, you know, trust that this is a, a big lesson for me to learn. So then I walked him to the door and that was it. What happened next? He sends me a message at three in the morning saying how what I did was really shitty and how I broke his heart into a million pieces and how he really wishes that I wouldn't have done that. And then I was awake, actually. So I responded back how I'm really sorry I did that. Obviously, I didn't mean to hurt you and I cannot take that back, but I understand why he feels the way he feels. Can I ask at this juncture, because it's a question in my mind, how many partners or relationships has Paul had? Do you know? I think sexually he's been with probably like 10 girls or so, 10 to 13 girls. But I was, and I know this now, I was his only, or I am his only serious long-term relationship. He's dated girls in college, post-college, but never for more than like, a few months. Okay. So what happened after this text? What was the next thing? I didn't really hear from him until later that evening when what I found out happened was he went out to get drinks with his best friend 
and then sends me another message saying that he might have overreacted and that at the beginning of a relationship, it's very important that we communicate very clearly and he understands how I could feel like just like a loss of attraction and he wants to like come over and, and talk later that evening. Did that happen? Yes. And what came out of that? Well, I shared my concern with him and I said, obviously, I'm happy, you know, that, that you're here and I'm happy that we're having this conversation. My concern, though, is that you would think that you can't let it go now because you don't want to lose me, but you would hold on to that resentment in the future and you won't be able to, like, truly forgive. Okay. What happened? You know, he said, of course, that, like, that's not true, that he's willing to just kind of, like, put it behind us and that he wants to just do all the things that I would have wanted him to do, which is, like, schedule dates for us and do fun things with me and make sure that we, like, communicate very clearly with each other and we share what, like, the other person's feeling. And did that happen for a time? Yes. So then the next, in the following two months, we ended up going on our first trip together. Uh, which was great. We both loved the trip. I, at least, that's when I kind of knew that I could see my forever with him. And then how long before your first breakup? From the first to the second. So you're counting that little rift as a breakup? Technically, yes. All right. So how long until the second? Our second breakup didn't happen until like a year and a half later. Uh Uh-huh. So you had a year and a half of a pretty good relationship? Yes. It was it was challenging at times. We had we had some conflict around friends, around trips with family. He's very he's very close to his family and friends and he's done a lot of just vacationing with them. And he invited me on a trip with his family that I wasn't comfortable on going. We were only dating for a couple months at that point. And I said, hey, you know, I appreciate the invitation, but I don't feel comfortable going. And he was very kind of like hurt by it. He, I think he resented me for a long time for not going on that trip because he always wanted his significant other to kind of accompany him on, on family trips. And I wasn't willing to do that for him. Then we had a pretty big argument around his invitation to Mexico for his best friend's 30th birthday. I initially said yes because I felt guilty over rejecting him for the first family trip. And then once I met the best friend and the wife, it just seemed very apparent that I am not going to click with the best friend's wife. So I messaged him and I said that like, hey, I felt a lot of pressure to say yes on this trip because I had said no to your family trip and I don't want you to think I'm always going to say no. But after I met them, it became immediately apparent that like her and I don't have a lot of things in common and we would have to share like a two bedroom, uh, one bathroom. And I said, if you still want me to go, I would be happy to. Would you consider getting our separate thing and doing something with them? but I would prefer to to stay separately from them because I consider a vacation a significant investment of time and money and energy, and I just don't want to be a a Debbie Downer for you on this trip. So he was very upset with that. He said he's going to take time to think about it and took some time, and then he said I was very selfish for making the trip all about myself, that His friends were super nice and invited me without even knowing me, and I'm making this whole thing about myself. So after that, he went on his own. I was very hurt. He apologized, but I still was 
kind of like holding on to how he handled the whole thing because in my perspective, one, he didn't validate my feelings as to why I could be uncomfortable going and he kept defending the best friend's wife and just kind of dismissing my perspective on things. So from there, we've gone to, you know, weddings together. We've done trips together. We ended up booking a big trip, three-week trip abroad. And the first week was amazing. It was just him and I. We were we were having a great time. But the second week and the third week were spent with his family abroad and I felt like I'm kind of an appendage to his life and instead of us just focusing the vacation on us and having fun when we went there his whole family just kind of started unloading all of their problems their personal problems on us and he became very overwhelmed and I said that you know I I didn't come on this vacation to be your family's like therapist and he was very hurt by by that comment so we kind of got into a big fight our last day there and when we came back I could feel him pulling away and I the distance emotionally was just very apparent we had the conversation and I said that I thought you were going to propose on this trip and he goes no I told you I'm not going to propose I need more time to do that we were also going to move in together after this trip was ending And then he felt like at some point we were talking about, you know, what I want. And I was like, I thought you were going to propose. And he was like, no, I told you I didn't. And I said, well, if I'm not a hell yes, then I'm a hell no. Because he said he was having doubts at that point. And I said, if you're having doubts, if I'm not a hell yes, then I'm a hell no. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. And then I started crying and I said, I just wish that you would understand me better and you would try to like hear to my perspective of things. So I ended up walking him to the door. I broke down crying and I said, I I still love you, but if that's how you feel, then I understand. And he left. He was visibly, visibly just distraught, but that was our second breakup technically. And then he called me the next day in the morning, just kind of crying and emotional and asked if, if he could see me again. And what did you do then? I said, sure. So I, I let him come over. We kind of talked about the some of the conversations that were had. I had tried to explain my whole position with our trip and why I didn't like the trip and why I thought that trip could have been handled completely different. I had sent him like a very long email with my perspective on the trip. And then I took him back like nothing happened. And we went apple picking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In retrospect, how do you feel about that? I always said I, I have gone to therapy for like the past year to kind of process like the relationship because it's, it's definitely gone off the rails completely since, since that breakup. But I always said that I wish I would have let him have the breakup and let him like experience it instead of just taking him back like right away like nothing happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you did. That's what happened. And how long until the next breakup? So then the next breakup was in from October to Jan. It was literally January 2nd. And what happened in between the, what, three, four months of winter time is he was having layoffs at work. He manages a pretty big team of like 10 to 12 people and had to lay off three of his people, not for performance issues, just workforce reduction. And he was very distraught about that. His grandfather passed away. One of his aunts was going through a divorce and he had borrowed a very large sum of money from the uncle who was like, hey, I don't need the money right away. And now 
this uncle of his pretty much said, now that we're going through a divorce, I want the money back. So he was very stressed out about it. And I think he just, after everything that happened, I could just kind of sense that he's going through a depression because he didn't really want to do anything fun. He was always irritable. He was always moody. He was constantly stressed out from work, from finances. He had also, he has a corporate job, but he also started his own business. So he's been having that on his plate and trying to launch the business. And then we got into a fight over, we went to lunch with my mom and my mom's fiance. And my mom said like, hey, you should smile more. Like, hey, don't just kind of like trying to cheer him up a little bit. He was very disengaged in the conversation. You could just kind of tell that he he doesn't want to be there. He was on his phone and he left the lunch kind of like abruptly. Not, you know, we were finishing up the, the meal, but he just got up and kind of went to the bathroom, like probably because he was just not feeling good and triggered. And when I got in the car, I said, hey, that was very rude of you to be on your phone the whole time. And I asked, or you text, he, he said, well, you've done the same thing with me, with my friends. So why is it not okay that I'm doing it now? And that's when I kind of realized holding on to some resentments that and misunderstandings that we've been carrying. And I asked, who are you texting anyway? And he goes, it's none of your business. So we're in the car driving to his place. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you later. And I just kind of stormed out of his car, got into mine and drove home. He sent me a really long message, how he doesn't feel an ounce of appreciation. He's been doing all of these things for me, and he doesn't feel like I appreciate him, and that he didn't feel good for my mom saying he should smile more, and how would I feel if his family or his friends would say that to me. And I was very overwhelmed at that point because we were bickering, like, the whole weekend. And, like, the last couple of months have been just, like, very stressful. And I was just kind of really doubting the relationship myself. So after he told me that it's none of your business, and then he went on explaining that he's just been texting his best friend, which is also his business partner, I said, it seems like, you know, you're more, you have to be more focused on your business, and you're just going through a lot of things right now, and I feel like a burden to you. So maybe it's best if, you know, I felt like we're a square peg in a round hole and it's best if we just like stop lying to each other that we make each other happy. This was probably what, five months ago, something like that? This was nine months ago. Did it end then or have you gotten back together? We've gotten back together. So he calls me crying. What do you really mean? I ended up driving back to his place. He was very emotional. So it wasn't really a breakup. It wasn't really a breakup. It was more of a break because we ended up going no contact for 30 days at some point. At some point. Okay. How many months ago was that? That was technically eight months ago. Okay. So you did go 30 days no contact from that. What's happened since? We got back together. He said he like really missed me and that that month was really hard for him not to say anything. It was his birthday over a break and I promised that I wouldn't even say happy birthday, but I did it anyways. It was Valentine's Day, and I didn't think he was going to send flowers, but he did it anyways. And then we got back together, and we went on another trip together for a wedding with our friends. But 
he would very much avoid just like talking about the issues that have happened in the relationship. So anytime I would try to like bring it up to be like, hey, let's work on things like, you know, let's maybe start couples counseling. He would be like, no, I don't, I don't want to like, let's just wipe the slate clean and, and move on. And I very much felt like I cannot wipe the slate clean and, and move on from the hurt and some of the misunderstandings until we talk about it and process it. So then we broke up again. And that was his decision to call it quits. And have you stayed broken up since then? Well, similar to the first time he broke up with me, he said that we love each other very much, that things have been really hard, and that, you know, at this early on in our relationship, things should still be easy. And I said, I agree. And I said, but have you asked yourself why have things been hard? And I started just kind of like explaining to him like what has been hard and why it shouldn't have been hard. So then when he left my place, he was just he looked very scared and just kind of like doubting his decision. And similar to last time, he called me crying the very first thing in the morning. And I said, hey, you know, this is now our your second time breaking up with me. And then you call me like right away. But for me to go back, some things need to have changed. And I said, nothing has changed since you've done this. So maybe we just need to take time to, to process things. Okay, so where are you now with things? And what happened after that? Well, after that, we were still in contact. So we would still kind of like the first week, we were still talking to each other every day, just a lot of feelings just coming out and being processed. And um, I said, how am I supposed to like stop loving you? So he said, Ruby, you're asking very hard questions that I cannot answer. And you're right, nothing has changed. So maybe it is better for us to go our separate ways. The next couple weeks, he would still call or text me every like two or three days and I would respond. And at one point I was getting like very frustrated because I said, hey, you've been calling and texting me and you tell me you miss me and you tell me you love me and you reach out to make small talk. But what do you actually want? Do you want to get back together? Are you trying to work things out? Like what's going on? And because I said, I, I feel like a fish on a fishing line, kind of like I'm at your mercy here on whether we're talking, we're not talking. And he said that he doesn't want me to feel like that, but he just cannot quit talking to me cold turkey like he has in his past relationships when he's broken up with someone. So where are you now? So now he saw me after six weeks, after I dropped off his, his stuff at his aunt's place. And I said, hey, like, it's not fair to me that, you know, you're doing this. I don't want to be your friend. I just I, I want to just have a clean break and go through the hurt if I rip the Band-Aid off. And after a couple of days, he reached out and he showed up at my place. So we ended up being intimate that day, but he was going on a family trip that next week. And I said, hey, can you take the time to process kind of like w your feelings in this past week and when you come back we can sit down and have a conversation that time that he came over after six weeks he said that he read this like really intimate journal entry that he had written in his diary where he said that he's been battling like feelings of depression he's been wanting to to come to see me but he really just wanted to take the time to feel better mentally because he hasn't been in a good place for months now and he knew that if he comes back he would have to come begging on his knees. So after he took the time on his family trip, he wanted to see me. I was very 
just kind of like upset that he would only he would say that like oh let's do lunch and i was like we need more than lunch to like talk about our issues and then i ended up canceling the lunch and i because he he had made like movie plans with a cousin of his and i was like okay like again i don't feel like a priority i've been telling you this for months that you prioritize your family you prioritize your friends over me so i was like let's wait another week so we waited another week we went on a fun kind of like golf date and when we came back home we were intimate again and he said that he feels like he can't be in a relationship right now and he made a joke and he said what if we stay friends with benefits and i told him i was like no i was like please don't call me anymore and then he was like what about just friends and i go no i cannot be friends with the next that i still like have romantic feelings for so then i blocked him the next day and when i blocked him the next day he panic emailed me a lot of his like diary entries and he was like i hope that you unblock me and you reach out again and what happened and i wrote another long email which is kind of like hey you're obviously going through things you don't really know what you want you're going through this like transformation and it's better for me to stay out of your hair i unblocked him we talked we kind of were just like fighting that whole week but then we saw each other again again we were intimate again we were kind of like fighting and then the last time we saw each other he told me he feels that he cannot be in a relationship because he's in a lot of just like financial debt right now and it wouldn't be fair for him to put that on me and it wouldn't be fair for me because he wouldn't be able to like take me on dates and go on these trips like we have been so far even though i told him i don't really care about the money like if you know you're struggling financially of course that would not be an expectation of me and at that point i said i think it's better that we take some like time off i was like we take a couple months i said let's take two or three months to just like really think through our our feelings cuz we've both had mixed feelings about the relationship and we just need time to like clear our heads so then he said that he's sorry for not telling me about some of these issues earlier and he asked me when he can reach out to me again to which i said that i want to reach out to him first because we're still both very emotional and not thinking clearly and that some time apart will be good for us and that i know that he's had his doubts and i had mine but there's a lot of love between us it's just that things don't seem to be easy and time apart will give us the chance to reflect and decide what we want for ourselves and each other and he said okay good night i i love you very much and i said i love you too and it's been 3 weeks since we haven't talked okay so you contacted me and you feel he's not in your words mature enough for a long-term commitment like marriage but you want it correct right so i can tell you that you can have it you can have it with him if you make changes not him you Does that shock you? It does not. I am very well aware of your philosophy. When did you become aware of it? Of your philosophy? Yeah. When I read your book and then yeah, you know, through your podcast. How long ago? Probably 6 months ago. Okay. So it's a good example for everyone listening that information is not transformation. Would you say that's fair, Ruby? It is 100% fair. Cool. and i love hearing you say that because truly you can have what you want here you can be married you can go the distance the love is there on both parts do you feel you are ready to be married 
and start a life together with someone and think about children? I am ready to get married. I would say I would love to wait on children for a couple more years. That's fair. Sounds like a good plan. So when I say to you that if you fundamentally change here and become the guide that every woman needs to be to lead a man to be his best in a relationship, what do you think I mean? I think what you mean is that I trust you're enjoying Make Him Wonder and that you're getting a lot of helpful information for the life of love you desire and deserve. So if you're not part of the 80-20 Wonder Club yet, you need to be because now Make Him Wonder is exclusive, a members-only club to listen to every episode, past, present, and future in full, all ad-free. The 80-20 Wonder Club is a Make Him Wonder membership that gives you all of seasons one, two, and three in a categorized list by age and relationship status and a multimedia library of my content, including my book, relationship evals, and my Making Magic with Men Mindset Manual, a weekly action step you can focus on to attract and keep the man of your dreams and have him committing to you completely in the coming months. Make this the moment you start living as an 80-20 Wonder Woman, because love, like life, is best lived in 80-20. When you do 80% of what works with men, the 20% you don't won't much matter. Join the 80-20 Wonder Club by going to the 8020wonder.club. Don't miss out. Go now to the 8020wonder.club. You and your man will be glad you did. I think what you mean is that I go back to your analogy of women being the mechanics of of the relationship and that we have the power to influence the men in our lives through our behaviors and through the actions that, that we take towards them. Yes. And for those who don't know, I explain my mechanics of men in this way, that generally speaking, men love cars. And generally speaking, they know about them. They have either a vague or detailed understanding of engines, the differences of all manner of things related to cars in a way that women don't generally know. We might know it's a V8 over V6 or what have you, but the turbo and the this and the that, we don't really care. We like the car to look good, to feel good. We get in it. The seat is perfect. We turn the key. It turns on. It drives well. And it doesn't cause us problems that we don't know how to fix. And we have to take it to somebody else. And it gets problematic over and over again. When that happens, no matter what it looks like and feels like, we just want a new car. We, in relationships, are the guy, so to speak. We know about them. We know what would be better. We are interested in them. We understand them. We are the mechanics of relationships in a way, whereby the man is like us with the car, doesn't know about it, doesn't read about it, doesn't care that much. He just wants it to look good, feel good. It goes the distance. There are no problems. And what's happening, because you are not the mechanic, 
this car has gone to rack and ruin. Now that may, when I say it, evoke feelings in you like, well, wait a minute, he did this, he did that, he did the other thing. He's not committed, he's not mature enough, he's influenced by his family. You might have a long list of lots of things that weren't correct or right about him. Is that true? Yeah. Although I I will admit that I could have also handled certain conflict in our relationship in a in a different way had I not been as reactive in the moment about things that have happened and had I taken the time to be more diplomatic about how I address issues. Diplomatic, yes, but it goes much much farther for us as women. It's why I'm writing my second book, which is a method to be able to talk to men in a certain way, how we talk to them, what we do when things arise. But we have been sold a bill of goods that it's communication and talking about a relationship and discussing the issues and working things out. We even have something in our lexicon, a relationship is work. It's deadly. I go out on a limb and say to women, if you are talking about your relationship more than once every six months, and that once needs to be very brief, you're on the wrong track. You're not being the mechanic. He has made comments to me that he said that he feels like we overanalyze the relationship more than actually being in it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he's right. You have tried to control it. And that's understandable. But the way you've gone about it is not a way that works. Men need two things in a major way to ever feel comfortable going the distance with a woman. And these two categories are safety and happiness. I'm going to explain about that. Let's look at the heading, so to speak, or category of safety. Under that are two things. He needs to feel safe that you are in the Madonna category of Freud's Madonna whore dichotomy. If you don't know it, I talk about it a lot here because it is a fundamental to know about men in terms of their commitment and their brain. It is a facet of the male brain. It's normal. I believe it's evolutionary. It's set in the male brain for a specific reason. And you confused him about that part. You started out definitely in the Madonna category. No sex before marriage. He believed you to be wife and mother material. So you did really well in the beginning with that setting it up so that he could feel that. It went a little off the rails and he was taken off guard by you being the one to go against that in the physical realm. Okay, it could have been overcome by how you handle everything else. But then there was a really big cut and scar. And that for him was you going out with someone else when he thought you two were on the track of exclusivity and monogamy and all of it. It it threw him for a loop that you probably were so confounded by that how could this be so major for him? It wasn't that big a deal, correct? Right. I mean, I, I could understand it from his perspective, 
But in my perspective, right, I was like, it was just getting drinks with someone. It didn't mean anything. We didn't kiss. We didn't hold hands. Like, nothing else happened. Why are you overreacting? Right. But we have to be the mechanic and know that that's normal for the man who loves you. Telling him about it was a big mistake. I agree. But again, that is the past. And you went past it. And you had a relationship for quite a while after it. And it sounds like for a year or more was okay. The problem is that in that year, you gave the impression that he doesn't get things. He doesn't do things quite right. He doesn't really make you happy. Now we get to the second heading under the category of safety. He did not feel safe in your relationship meaning he didn't know what he was going to get. There was always something coming up that he felt, now I'm going to go to the second category, that he didn't make you happy. He, the relationship, everything tangential to him, his family, his friends, what he does, how he handles things, he didn't make you happy. Safety and happiness. What are you thinking? I mean, I know that's true because he has told me many times that he has tried to make me happy, but he just doesn't seem to ever get it right. Mm -hmm. It is why I tell you that you can turn this around. You can have this. You can have marriage. You can go the distance with him. He has insight. He is a decent guy. There are no major problems here. You just need to be a better mechanic. It's tantamount to whether the car is a real lemon. And so you have to just say, I put money into it. It's done. I have to get out of it. Or I just didn't go to the right mechanic. It's not that big a deal. I can tweak this and fix it and the car can go the distance. You're in that second category. If you learn to be the mechanic, do the things that need to be done and how you set about resetting everything for yourself and him, and then being under those two categories so that he feels safe and he does make you happy. I'm not suggesting that if he really doesn't make you happy to be in any relationship, but you see, when we transform and do it correctly, the man can make us happier. And a lot has to do with our expectations of men. Our society has put them way off the charts. And our expectations are usually out of line with what a man can actually give us. It's so funny you say that because he has also told me that my expectations are too high. Yes, it's what people generally say, your expectations are too high. It's not... High is not the right word. They're just not in alignment with what a man can actually give. Because I'm not, again, suggesting that we settle. Not at all. But everyone, when we say the word settle, has a different idea of what settling is. For example, I believe that you did something that so many of us do which is we confuse skill sets. And this happened in the beginning. The skill sets of a great dater 
are completely different skill sets than a man who will make a good husband and be good in a relationship. The best daters are generally men who tend to buy women and their affections and can do all the right things in a date to get what they want. Many men who are the best at relationships and have the qualities and characteristics of someone who would make a good husband, patience, kindness, understanding, being supportive, listening, relating, being dutiful, faithful, monogamous, honest. They can be okay at dating, but it's a different skill set usually. And if we confuse those in the beginning, we can generally overlook very, very good possibilities for great relationships and marriage. Him not planning dates. He felt he wasn't quite good enough, didn't know what to do. That didn't make him feel much like the big man in the relationship. He wanted to move your relationship towards real commitment and possibly marriage early on. And that's where another classic mistake happened of you saying, it's too fast. It's only been three months or however long it was. Men do not relate to their feelings and desires via time. And more time in does not usually help us. You are actually a very good example of that because you had a year and a half and it's totally gone off the rails. In the beginning is our best chance to have the man make a decision about us to commit. And interestingly enough, in our society, it's, oh my gosh, we cannot get engaged and break off an engagement. But yet 50% of us will get married and get divorced. I say we turn that around allow for the natural, normal, fast progression where the man is concerned, where he makes the decision that you are the one, which I have no doubt he did early on, wanting you to meet his family, seeing if you would fit for that. And then he would have proposed perhaps earlier on. And because men live by their decisions, it is the best possibility for us to see exactly who he is prior to walking down the aisle. Then along the way, it was, for example, going to couples counseling. That is possibly the worst two words to ever use with a man. Generally means to him, he's not good enough. He's flawed. The relationship is flawed. He has to sit in a room, a closed room with someone else, typically a female, talking about what he doesn't understand and get and how he has to change. That's how he views it. And airing his dirty laundry or what have you to somebody else. It is tantamount to the relationship being a real car that the two of you share and because you can't get another one because that's the relationship, the relationship car. And he takes you out with a buddy who knows cars and you have to get under that car, and you better understand exactly how it works. You better be able to take the carburetor out and put a new one in. You better understand it. You better get it, and you better fix it. Eventually, we would just push ourselves out from under the car and say, I don't want this car anymore. Too much work. Yes. A relationship is not to be work. When a woman is in alignment 
with what she needs to do to be, this is the title of my next book, Sexy Mother. She raises her man to feel like a man, to enjoy being the man for her, and he's not infantilized. He feels powerful and strong, but he's still guided. You can do this and have it. If you fundamentally turn things around for you so that he experiences the you that is calm, confident, relaxed, loving, giving, and you can do this by changing a couple of things that have nothing to do with him. And I'm going to tell you about those because when you get this, whether you decide it's him or not, whether it is him or not, this will be life-changing for you and certainly love-changing with any man that you are with. And here's what I believe is happening. Wondering what I'm going to tell Ruby she needs to do to get all she wants with Paul? In the rest of this episode, I explain what Ruby will need to work on for herself and how she can change her programming to start trusting Paul. This will ensure that Paul will know that she is happy and this will make him feel safe to commit. And because I want you to get the results you desire in your romantic life, I invite you to check out the 8020 Wonder Club where you can hear the rest of this interesting coaching conversation with Ruby so that you can know what you can do to change your programming and to allow for your man to feel safe and to know that you are happy. The 8020 Wonder Club is an exclusive membership-only club of the Make You Wonder podcast, where you'll get over 150 episodes in full and ad-free, categorized by age and relationship status, plus all new episodes the moment they're formatted and ready to be aired, unfiltered, never-before-public coaching conversations like this one, with all my advice and principles to have you succeeding in your romantic life. You'll also get my Making Magic with Men Mindset Manual, a weekly video series for you to focus on each and every week. It alone is valued at over $500 and is all yours as a member. Join monthly and cancel at any time or save by committing to a six or 12 month membership. And not only will you save by committing to more, you'll receive a full coaching intensive experience where you'll be talking to me in a conversation like you just heard. You choose the date anytime during your 12-month membership, and I'll be answering all your questions on getting what you desire and deserve. Check it out at the8020wonder.club and join us, as that is the only way you'll be able to hear exactly what Ruby needs to do for herself and to do with Paul to ensure no more breakups and that this is a relationship that will be lifelong. So don't miss out on how to make your man wonder in the right way to have the divine right results you want, or how to start dating in a way that guides a potential Mr. Right to do right by you. Go now to the 8020 Wonder Club. That's the 8020wonder.club, T-H-E 8020wonder.club. You and your love will be glad you did. <laughs>